where, where, even before what is a memory is, is where do memories reside? In a part of the brain. <laughs> oh, come on. That's what the scientists say. Yeah, very good. It's true. It's true. Where did you think they might be? Was that one of those questions you ask people and you kind of know the answer, but you want to hear us first? Or <laughs> a genuine question like you don't really know? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, 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 I guess I do think that they reside in the brain, but then... Well, they say muscles, too. Yeah, then they say muscle memory. Yeah. And, and, and then if, if, you, if you look at some of the um, NLP, the Neuro Linguistic Programming folks, they say if you're, when you're trying to remember something, if it's, uh, I can't remember the exact label, but if it's, if it's an, a sound you're trying to remember, your eyes look up to the top left, or if it's a feeling, then they go to the bottom right. I can't remember the exact detail. So I, I'm just... I can't remember the exact details. He's so <laughs> meta. He's so meta. My head almost exploded when you did that, Jaswan. Have <laughs> you heard of the, you know, Rolfers, Rol Rolfer massage therapists, and they, yeah. they, they do that deep tissue massage, and that's part of their approach is to release stored unpleasant memories and, and you know, oh, yeah. uh, tra trauma in your life. And so they release that through, and that's stored in the muscles and the rolfers. So they say a lot of massage, uh, people start breaking down in tears with odd memories yeah. that they haven't had in decades, you know, and, and that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, and they like to elongate your spine. Really, they, they, they do that? So So tell me about that. Part of man, elongating well, I, got, the spine. I just heard that's part of I, I had 10 sessions of Ralphing in Calgary once 20 years ago. And uh, part of what they do is, is, is to, by doing that deep massage, it's supposed to elongate your spine, right? And then after each session, and as much as you can when you're walking around in daily life, you're supposed to imagine a balloon being tied from the top of your head and a helium balloon and pulling you up, right? Nice and tall and, right? To elongate your spine and everything. But yeah, like Hans was saying, I I never got into crying or anything like that. That that didn't happen for me, but it sure felt good. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you actually recognize um, memories or past events or traumas or good things, like good things surfacing during this? Or was it just sort of, you know, foggy and misty and such. Yeah, that that's 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 a good uh, description. Foggy and misty, but it felt good. Well, you had quite a bit of uh, massage work done, Fred, with the uh, Tibetan Rinpoche. Where oh, I yes. remember you were saying it was so painful. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Thank you for that. For evoke for for tickling a memory to my to my. From wherever it was to 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 the ability for it to come out of my mouth as in the form of a story. It's true, um, and the reason I really liked this guy is because he was sort of brutal um, in a in a Tibetan Buddhist monk kind of way. 
and and he went really. He knew his hands knew his, his fingers knew his, his elbow knew, right? He used the, the the elbow to really get down in there and dig in my back with the elbow. Um, and I thought it was fantastic because to me the way I was brought up and is that that if it hurts then things are that then that's the right place. Oh, right. And I would just sort of scream through the whole session, and then I would say, "Boy, that was great." When can I? Come and this guy was a Rinpoche? Yeah, he had a great story. He actually uh, escaped Tibet when, you know, when things went, went south, we'll say, or sideways. And he walked to India, right? He was one of those, those monks mm -hmm. that walked to India. Young guy, super young at this point, teens, teens. Wow. And the Dalai Lama was at this, there's a place where you go, right? When you leave, there's a couple of way stations or, or in, entry points into India, right? And the Dalai Lama was there. And so he got to meet the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama took one look at him and said, go to the United States and become a massage therapist. Okay. Uh, so he did. And um, you had a massage, this massage therapy recently? No, not since I left Chicago. It's one of those things I regret about leaving Chicago behind is to go the ability to say, you know, uh, I need him to clean me out a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and no, it was going to also he would sing, play yeah. bells. And one yeah. time I and it was also very mysterious and, and sort of in the moment, he didn't have a, a regiment. So I would go in and he'd start working and then he'd go like he, he'd see something or find something. He'd just work. Right. Mm -hmm. So one time I went in and he just spent like 90 minutes on my head. Wow. Mm. And it was like, all right, so something's up there. He, so he found something and he worked 90 minutes on my head. Another time I would go in and he, you know, it'd be a total, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same each time. Even though it might start similarly, he would find something and chase it. Did he release some stored memories? I don't think so. But, you know, comparing notes with you, Mr. Matt, I also felt great, you know, lighter relieved but it's all you know I, I don't know if it was the singing or the chanting or the 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 fact that I found I felt pretty lucky to find a guy who actually had escaped in the storybook way from Tibet mm. and there's the Dalai Lama to meet him and he says you, you do this and you go and do that mm -hmm. but, I mean uh, to me it was also like a terrific story wow yeah I um yeah, there's certain very small examples that if I do something that's going to hurt, no, I won't do it that way. So I remember to avoid that pain. I go around it. Mm. Even though it's unnamed, it may be unknowable in my present condition and state. So I avoid it. Mm. And I avoid it. And I avoid it. And then a node forms in my back. Right. So what what I wonder if it's like, OK, so don't go there because that hurts, not maybe physically, but in a traumatic kind of pain. No. So I can imagine that a therapist, whether it's Rolfing or, or a massage therapist or a Tibetan massage mm -hmm. guy or whatever, Shiatsu trainings that you're trying to that one is releasing mm -hmm. that tension. Mm -hmm. So is that tension a, a traumatic experience that's been stored? And since it hurts, I go around it. 
Well, that's interesting because I, I think it, you say the word node, but I, I think people generally they use the word not. There's not. a not. 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 Yes. And, not. And, and, and to me now. K N O T, right? K N O T. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so it's, it's um, to me, it's, um, and I don't know if this is my typicality, and, and this might be a, the difference between me and Fred. You know, I just don't want them to just just push it right down, get rid of it. I want them slowly, slowly from the edges outwards, you know, sort of dissipate so it's it's not just the the pure pure pain, but uh, but uh, <laughs> interestingly enough. But then we're different when we go into the cold shower. <laughs> Say more. I, I I don't remember going into oh, a cold shower with you. Well, well, well you always said that Elena and your father-in-law when you'd be out out in the ah uh, yeah, that's in, true. That's true. You'd be the the water would be cold and you'd be, and they just jump right in. And, and I'm be, slow. I start with my ankles. Maybe yeah, move up to my knees. Ankles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not a one hundred percent thing. It's a it's a partial thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I I go into the cold shower. You usually when I when I do shower and it's a, you know you try all sorts of things and then it's just like oh just just go right in and let it hurt. And so where where does memory reside? Like you started off, Jazz went in the non-physical way, right? Oh, very, very interesting. Well, do, do, yeah, do, we, they reside, we, do they reside in the same place the thought resides? Oh, that's, that's, that's um, very, very good. I, I really like that because why, why does it have to reside in the brain? Because that's, that's our natural sort of, oh yeah, it's oh, a and and then and then if you if you start looking at the what they call muscle memory, you know, when there's a traumatic event, you you seize up and you 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 can feel the shock going through your body, even though you might not be aware of of it at the moment. But if if you think about stuff when somebody some um, dramatic event happens, there's um, there's something which triggers the the body, and then and then we get to the NLP, and the, and there, well, you're trying to remember something. You're looking with your eyeballs to the top left or to the top right, and so then is it is it in the brain or where where is the memory? And also, I like he has a couple of meanings. You're talking about storing bad memories in a knot in your back. And, and it's also used, the term is used also if you're practicing dance or if you're practicing an instrument and you have muscle memory, which is a brain, it's a connection to the brain and motor control, which is lodged in the brain somewhere. I don't know what region we need a neuroscientists to tell us what region of the brain, right? But then they also smell, right? Smell has a powerful mm. um, 
what do they say? Um, smells can jar memory as well. The olfactory system. So, you know, you smell a lilac and it's, oh, it reminds me of so-and-so in high school, you know, or whatever, and or a certain time or a period or whatever. I don't know. So maybe it's just... Uh, um, everywhere, part of the whole being. <laughs> it's in my fingernails. It's slow. Thinking is really, really slow. And it doesn't mean that, that your muscle memory isn't still um, in responding to brain signals and electron electrical impulses and signals between the muscle and the brain. Just thinking gets in the way because it's so slow. So is that a is that a memory or a habit? Mm. Is there a difference? Very good. Yeah, I was going to bring habit up. You beat me to it, Fred. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was rude. I cut you a line in the idea line. I ran to the express checkout and beat you. No, it's a, it's a good thing because I forgot again. <laughs> Yeah, but, and, and like um, Hans was saying, leap of faith, right? It's like, I mean, I, to this day, haven't ridden a bike in, I don't know what, 15 years? But I know I can just get on one and go, right? I'm not going to be thinking like the day I first learned how to ride a bike with training wheels, like, oh, am I going to fall over? And it's just, you just, you just know that the balance, everything's going to be there. So yeah, and then what about tendencies? Are those memories? Those are grooves, I think. Dance floor grooves. But are habit are not habits grooves too? I think so. I think so. So then tendencies are deeper grooves. Ah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe they maybe so. They're more profound to me than a habit. The tendency I think we can carry with us from lifetime to lifetime. Just a guess. Whereas a habit maybe is more constructed within the lifetime. Just a but, guess. But the the tendencies drive us toward the habit. Yes? No? I'm, I'm right behind you there. I'm not going to cut you in line. No. <laughs> so if you have a tendency or I have a tendency or any of us have a tendency, then how that manifests could be the habit. Right. Not to get all philosophical with you. But. I, I remember EJ saying, you know, you can quit smoking, but you're going to start smoking again if you don't work on that tendency that brought you to smoking. Well, then there's the whole other side of memory, one, one that Fred's also exploring, which is events in, mm -hmm. in, in the form of trying to recall or, or rebuild um, events and memories. Are you referring to his book? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the, the book writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, I've said it on other podcasts, but I'll, I'll repeat it again here just briefly. It's that my, my memory of things, my story that I made up about an event mostly mostly wrong mostly no no not wrong inaccurate mm. mostly inaccurate 
and 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 almost depressing me so if I want to go that right or surprising me so if I would be amazed by it but or it's just like I, I come to realize that I just have made up my whole life really mm-hmm. I mean there are th- things that happen for sure you know I went to university I was born in this hospital I mean all the facts you can you can trace them mm-hmm. yeah and there are certain things that are undeniably that you know they're undeniable that happen right so for example um Mm. Ah, the football team I played for, the American football team I played on, what, what lost the state championship game by two points, 12 to 10. Uh-huh. That's irrefutable. I didn't play in the game because I wasn't very good. So I watched the game on the sideline in a uniform. Um, but I was there. So, but what to, but, but the detail, I mean, that's, that's the big, that's the tent pole that holds up that moment, right? Mm-hmm. But where was I? Where was, where was I standing? Who did I talk to? Um, who did I sit next to on the bus ride? What did we eat after the game? What did my dad say to me when I met him after the locker room stuff? And you <clears throat> take off your uniform and put on your street clothes and go out and see dad and mom and gone. Wow. Just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so what is it about those vivid, vivid memories from way back in our early childhood days? What is it about those memories? Why do we remember those moments so much better? Like, Because they're anomalies. They're a spike in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So there's the ordinariness of, of everyday existence, like What'd you have for lunch? What'd you have for breakfast? How, what time did you go to bed last night? What did you watch on television? It all just sort of blends into a mm-hmm. noise. Yeah, it's white noise, right? It just sort of, the elevate, like the waveforms, if you think of it as waveforms going up and down, just sort of flat, not flatline, they just sort of become mushy and fuzzy and indistinct is indistinct right Mm -hmm. but but there are those special moments those those you know when we first met you on the podcast Hans Mack you told the story of hitchhiking in the United States when you were 13 right that that's that that's an anomaly that's how I ended that's why those things stand out you know yeah I have another one too when I was two years old I got this marzipan in German, you say marzipan, but marzipan, uh, choo-choo train, birthday cake. And I just remember everything about it. When I tell my mother, she's just, she's floored, right? She's just like, how do you remember that? I go, I don't know. Or you were there. That's the other one I was going to say. Was I more present? Was I more attentive? Was I, you know? You were there. Yeah, that's that's a really good uh, take on it. What what are your, some of your what what are your earliest memories ever? Well, that's that's one of them. Another one was around two and a half, where I was looking out into the sky, you know, thinking, "What's out there?" Right? Like, and my father was a bricklayer, and uh, I imagined that he could make a brick wall all the way around the atmosphere of Earth. 
And I thought, okay, people are going to say, or in my mind, it was like the, the world was telling me there's nothing past that. Nothing past the sky. That's it. That's the end, right? But I thought, well, what if he had a, 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 a jet, a jet plane, and it had enough fuel in it that you could just keep going? So what if you broke through that brick wall? Then what's there and there and there, right? That memory, that sort of too much to think of as as a child. But I, I was I was there staring at the sky in awe, wondering that, just wondering that, eh? Wow. <laughs> yeah, when, when I when I try and think of my earliest memories, some of the memories I don't, I don't really remember, and they're just more memories that people around me told me. Because I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, like for instance, I was dropped on my head and had a hole in my head. But the, the memories I do remember are really, are really, really, I don't want to say necessarily unpleasant or. And and this or and and one of them the the two I remember was were from India because I spent about fourteen months in India when I was about three or four years old and and one was uh, you know you you get you get to go do a number two so you go out into the field and you do a number number two and I was doing a number two and the bloody truck the tractor was coming for me so I think I had to move and I just remember being scolded by my mum because <laughs> he had to clean me. I live in the town that I was born raised born and raised in and, and um, it's a small town and so I can see little landmarks and things like that that will evoke memories that I wouldn't ordinarily recall you know um and I have, I don't know, I can think of, I just visited my, what was, who was my neighbor when I was a, a little boy. And uh, Sherry was my best friend's sister and my best friend's dad. But Sherry bought the house, has the house that she grew up in, that Scott lived in. That was my best friend's name. And I just stopped by to say hello to her. She's got a little mini urban farm in her backyard and she's an interesting character and I wanted to know more about my best friend who's dead and you know he never contacted me or anything like that but I have a lot of memories that came flooding in just being in that little backyard and the swimming pool is still there and I remember uh you know a lot trauma is kind of easier to remember I think than than you know how good I felt that kind of a thing and and um so I read a couple of traumas came to mind and it, that was an early one where I was I still didn't um <clears throat> I didn't really like the swimming pool I liked the big lake I liked swim, going into the big I wasn't afraid of water but the swimming pool kind of freaked me out I don't know why but mm. and I was probably two or something like that and I remember jumping into the swimming pool and I'd, I'd jump, I wouldn't dive because that seemed too risky. So I'd jump and then turn around in midair so that I could catch the side of the pool as I entered the water. So I'd have something to hang on to. <laughs> and that was, you know, and I injured myself, you know, and I don't, I remember kind of the impact, I do, 
and sort of a numbing impact, you know. I wasn't knocked unconscious, but I remember Scott's dad holding my hand and he was kind of smiling. He said, you're going to be okay. But I really gashed my chin. There's blood just pouring down. And I, and he's just calmly walking me back to my, to my mom. He, you know, I was like, deal with your kid. He's injured, you know? <laughs> and, and I remember it though. I do. I don't, I was the only one there. And Jack was the only other one there in that process of walking. There's a little picket fence for the gate that went between Scott's property and, and where I live, we were neighbors. But I, I do remember that, that, um, and that was trauma. I was, you know, I was crying, you know. I had a tricycle that I loved. And I remember my mom, um, I wanted to give my mom a ride. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, if you, and you're on a tricycle, you know, you got a, three wheels and there's a little place for feet. And I wanted my mom to stand on the back and then I could give her a ride. And she said, honey, I'm too, I'm too big. I'm too big to get on your tricycle. And I said, well, maybe when you, when I grow big and you grow small, I can give you a ride. And that she loved that when I said that, you know, and she carried that, she carried that little memory to the end of her life, you know. <laughs> Oh, thanks so much. Just when you, while you were talking, so many memories came flooding back for me. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something how that happens? Just, just, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Little prompt, just a simple little prompt, you know? Yep. And something that won't cross your mind for decades. And then suddenly you smell the lilac bush in the backyard that you grew up in and the, you suddenly just it comes pouring and the floodgates are open you know mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how that happened because i i could sit here trying to okay what was it what was it? and 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 it's just like blocked up there's nothing and then suddenly hands started talking and then all these oh i remember i i had a tricycle and you know freddie you you're you must remember some of your no actually the way the way I begin my book, which I think is like appropriate yeah. the form of the book, is I start with um, a story my mom would tell me about me. Mm. So she the, the book begins with me re repeating a story she told me in the sense that uh, when we, when Christmas was celebrated when I was one and a half years old, that would have been December 20th, December 20th, 1963. I apparently, as young one and a half year old people do, pulled over the Christmas tree and broke all the ornaments. <laughs> you don't remember it, but you remember no, the story. No. And so every year we, we had these sort of strange plastic ornaments so when we were when I was seven or eight or ten or my sisters were younger and they're they're also going through and their awareness is when they're like why do we have these plastic Christmas tree ornaments what about these well that's because Michael 
That's what they called me. That's because Michael, when he was a year and a half, pulled over the Christmas tree and broke them all. So we got these plastic ones that are unbreakable. Modern science. Right? So I remember being told a story about me, but I don't remember the story that was told about me. And what what and so that's how I sort of begin. That's my premise really for memory. Is like it's a story that was told to me, and then I remembered telling of it. But the the other part too is is um I don't remember the moment she told me. I don't remember which Christmas I remember. I don't remember which sister might have posed the question. I don't remember the circumstances, the temperature in the, I don't remember anything. What we had, what was the smells in the house? What did the room look like? I can remember in my mind's eye, the shape and the texture of the plastic ornaments. So then, so I can tell you this story, but I, it's like, it's sort of like a coin, right? If you think of it as like a coin, that is newly minted and it's all perfect and all the details are right there and it's shiny, right? My memories are more like a 1924 Lincoln penny that's all mushed down. You can barely read the date, right? It's all eroded and, and washed away through time because of time, eroded, it's eroded. So my memories are really, 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 really eroded. So they become these sort of hackney stories I can tell. So for me, like memory is also sort of ruined or eroded because it it has it it it's it ends up becoming, let's say there's no force, it just ends up becoming the shape of a story. Well, you Not have the creative license in your own mind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And in order to make it entertaining or, or pass, so I can pass it to somebody, right? In order to pass it to, to you guys or anyone, it sort of get, it, it gets reshaped into a form of a story. Well, the, uh, the kids growing up nowadays, they got, they got the cell phones and pictures and things to help them. Memory device. Yeah. So Fred, what is your earliest actual memory? I was I was just envious of both you, both Hanses, really. So I have a memory of being envious about ten minutes ago. Um, <laughs> have you seen a doctor, Phil? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. I was trying to think, like, okay, what's your name? <laughs> what's your name? Yeah. Um, what is it? I remember. I don't. Uh, I remember, all right, here's one, but this has to be, no, okay, no, no, wait, remember a fragment, a fragment, just a fragment. Well, I'm not going to even build the story. I have a fragment of a memory of taking something from a corner store <laughs> that would I would pass on my way to grammar school. So this would be for before first kindergarten, first grade or very early second grade because we moved in the early, say, October of my, my um, second grade year. And I remember taking something from this penny candy store, this sort of early version of a convenience store where it was owned by real people, right? 
and I took something. And then my dad had to come back later because I guess they saw me take it. Oh. <laughs> and my dad had to come back later and pay for it. <laughs> but I don't remember. I mean, those are those are like cause and effect. I can ad lib those details. But the one thing I can almost remember, like there's a clarity about it that's un unlike other sort of mushy things, is that I can almost sense the darkness in the store, the 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 sort of mustiness. Maybe it was, you know, it was um, it was the old days. It was back when things were, you know, family owned and 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 personalities were in the store itself it wasn't mapped out by corporate office in denver or something you know and so i remember the 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 atmosphere or the mood uh and i but i don't know what i took probably candy but that's a guess right i don't remember my hand taking it and putting it in my pocket and leaving this no nothing 